Hello, welcome to the Valle Bajo podcast. We are less than one week away from our Facebook and Twitter live on election day and voting as well. Pablo, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Alex? I'm all right, man. I'm all right. So, you know, it's it's getting there. It's crunch time now. We got one week away from election day, which is going to be fun. Uh, just a real quick note here. If you ask for a mail-in ballot, you're late already. You need to go drop it off in the Dropbox downtown or go drop it off in the elections office because the mail is not guaranteeing um, getting it uh, done right or dropped off the day it needs to. In Texas, it has to be uh, in by the 4th at 5 p.m. to count. So that's one thing that we're having to deal with right now. Of course, this was strategy by our federal government. And that's where we are, you know, little by little, they started uh, dismantling the post office so we would be here. Imagine if they had been successful it would have been worse. So, Pablo, how are you doing? Everything good? Everything's good, man. Just a little. These numbers for the COVID are still pretty, pretty high. This curfew that they want that they mandated now. Um, the was it Canutillo? There's a couple of districts here that decided to go ahead and cancel sports. UTEP. Yeah. Well, not UTEP. I think it was in North Texas that they were going to play. Canceled the game. So it's, it's 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 getting interesting. Very interesting. It's getting yeah. We'll talk about that later. And one thing we're going to start off with today, Pablo, is uh, the Escondrias assistant principal passed away from COVID. Um, yes. Yeah. Because this is our area, and we live in Socorro, and. These are the people that lead our kids, you know, Escondrias being a early childhood center. I can't imagine, you know, and, and the thing is, you got to remember is that administration is on campus no matter what. So yes. how do we protect them? How do we, what happens there? If administration has to show up, they're getting sick. Imagine when we have a full slate of teachers in the classroom or in the campus. What do you think? And, that, and that's kind of hard because I mean, I don't know how this, it's very unfortunate. You know, I, I saw a lot of, between my wife and I, we saw a lot of Facebook posts and Twitters and stuff like that. So it sounds like this this man was a very good uh, administrator. Uh, obviously it seemed like he was really well liked by, by his, his teachers, which is good, you know, and that's what we were talking about before is that you know, when somebody, a teacher, an educator, uh, unfortunately passes because of the COVID and if it could have been prevented, you know, why was, why did we have to go to that far or to that length? And I mean, who knows how he got it? Did he get it from the campus, from the district? Maybe they had a meeting somewhere or something. Um, or, or, you know, like we talked about before the DSC, they got a, a thorough cleaning. You know, why aren't they protecting the, the administration at the local campuses to that extent as well? And yeah. or he could have just gotten it at home. Who knows? Yeah. You know? and, and that's true. You know, we, we talk about what's happening. He was, you know, that was his job as an administrator. But we don't know what they do at home. We don't know where they go. We don't know. 
what they do in their private life. It's just rough. You know, it's one of those things. I haven't seen anything publicly from Socorro ISD. Um, but, you know, and it's true. We are, as an educator, you know, some of our, some of our kids think that we live at the school. Literally. Yeah. Kids at Walmart, they see us anywhere else. They're like, what are you doing here? Well, I needed food for my family. And, you know, <laughs> it happens. It happens. That's what I tell my wife. We're not going over there because that's where my kids always are. And, and when you go there to that part, then you're going to, oh, Mr. Garcia, Mr. Garcia. And I'm like, oh, how are you doing? It's a little embarrassing sometimes, you know, because I'm not the greatest uh, dresser. I'm a flip-flop. Even in the winter, got a guy with a hoodie and shorts. And, and those are things that, you know, it's embarrassing, you know? But That yeah, makes two of us. <laughs> yeah, it makes two of us because... You know, you're home, you're comfortable. You don't want that to happen, you know, but we, we, um, you know, we send our best to the family. You know, I know at my, at my, in my job, there's a lot of passing is going to happen with families as well, which is very difficult at any time for any teacher. And that's the thing that I tell you, educators are, are, are close knit family. Cause sometimes we spend more time at school than we do at home. Now it's the opposite with this COVID, but it happens. And we send our best to the teachers and to to everybody who knew him. Now, um, last week we had Georgina Perez, and she talked about the new system, Pablo. You know, the new system is, is going into place. Uh, El Paso, there was a, a little thing going around that El Paso was going to change it, but that turned out to be something that wasn't true, that they hadn't passed it yet. But they actually also um, infection rates. They also use infection rates for that. So now we are still home. Where today's uh, percentage was forty-two percent, forty-two point seventy percent. It's a cold red. We're not we're getting twice in the red. No. Well, yeah, you're double the red. Those are things we're looking at right now, and and it's hard. It's hard for anybody to see. Uh, I don't know if you saw watched the the national news. Oh, we're we're making the news. Yeah. We're making the news. You know, it's those things that, you know, it's hard. It's very hard. It's very hard to um. To see what's happening in El Paso, you know, I know my wife had to go right now to pick up some stuff, and it's like. <sighs> You hold your breath because, you know, a lot of people are getting the infection from retail stores, from restaurants. And there's another third that I, I didn't see, but that's, that's I, I guess, you know, it's hard. It's hard for any of us. What do you think? No, it's, it is. I mean, you know, every, I understand. And it's, it's we've talked about it before. We've said it before. It's one of those things. Mental health is is, is something we got to consider. But I mean, if, if we continue and it's not that we're trying to be, I know some people might think, oh, you guys are fear mongers and stuff like that. No, it's not that. It's just it's the reality of of what we're living right now. And, you know, it goes back to we just got to be considerate of each other. I know everybody wants to meet with their family, be with their family and stuff like that. And, you know, they've said just keep in groups of 10, and you know, the percentage at restaurants, events and stuff. But I mean, if and I think they, they even said that only 40 some odd percent of people and this was a this i think was on the national uh scale 40 some odd percent are the only ones wearing masks and 
So obviously it's not that effective because not, I think they said that we have to be somewhere in the 60 to 70% range. They're just like the same thing with the, the, the vaccines. Right. So it, it's just a hard, it's a hard spot for everybody. Something we were tired of being in the, in the house pretty much all day. The kids are, the, I'm pretty sure the teachers are. And even the, our healthcare workers are, our first responders are, they're being, I mean, the healthcare workers are being worked overtime double, you know, and it's, they're getting tired. I, I know what those shifts are like when you're just constantly working and working and working. You just work and sleep, work and sleep. And it's a, it's a rough life to live. And I guess to put in perspective, kind of think about them, you know, what if you end up having to be in the hospital and they're sleep deprived because that's, you know, they only got four hours, five hours of sleep and they're having to take care of you. I just kind of see it like that, you know, put in perspective, you know, what if it's your loved one that needs their attention and they're sleep deprived because they're trying to do their best and take care of all these patients. So. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's true. It's, you know, it's, it's called COVID fatigue and, and, and my, my nephew is a nurse and, you know, he's not even in that unit, but it, it, he's working a lot now. Why? Because they might need him. And that's the thing that, the, that people don't understand. The system breaks down. Like, if it breaks down, they're, you know, they sent whatever they sent. I know Paso's lucky we're not in New York because New York was the first hit because of all the flights that come in from all over the world. And, and those are things that happen. And we learn from New York. You know, I don't know if it's true, you know, like every movie you watch, something happens in New York, Avengers, you know, things like that, like uh, Die Hard, those things happen in New York, Ghostbusters, you know, right. everything happens in New York first. So we, in in our world, get get ahead of the head of the head of the train. And that's what yeah, we should be. We should be, you know, but the bad thing is in El Paso, we have more cases and hospitalizations than uh, Dallas. And we only, and we're only uh, compared to uh, Houston, Harris County. And there have over 4 million people in that city. And El Paso, yep. uh, what the graph says is 800. There's something wrong there, you know, and, and, and to our next point, you know, and something you brought up earlier was, North Texas declines to come to play in El Paso due to COVID. You know, this is, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, this is something that is crazy to think about. But the thing is, my, my brother-in-law just left to San Antonio to pick up my niece. And he sent a video out of, of distancing at the airport. There is no social distancing. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and those are things that they got to think about. And I know there was a little tiff because there were uh, president of, 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 of UTEP uh, said that um, there's nothing wrong. Everybody's tested. I go, yeah, but you can't promise anybody that you're going to keep them safe from the airport, from the drive. And what do they leave El Paso? And the thing is, and it's true. What if something happens, Pablo? Now that the hospitals are over capacity, what if something happens to a football player? What if something happens that we don't even plan for? What if something happens? Does everybody can they cancel all the 
Yeah, yeah, even if they get injured on the field and then say it's a fracture or something and they need to get hospitalized. You can't promise that they're going to get the best, the best, uh, the best care. Care. Now, I don't know if you're, if we're, because we're minors or because there's people in North Texas. We don't know what's happening. We don't know what, what processes go in there. But when you bring a football team, it's like bringing an NFL team. You bring trainers, you bring managers, you bring so many people that there's a bound something to happen. Utah's been very fortunate not to have a COVID test, a positive COVID test in a while. And they've been doing great. And that, that says a lot about a team. They stick to the rules. They're disciplined, which is great. Now, I know college football teams test three or four times a week up to the game. Okay? Up, which is good. Which is That's good great. initiative. Very good yeah. initiative. That's great, but not everybody has the money. Now, jumping on that wagon, and let's get on this one. Canotillo, El Paso, Socorro Independent School Districts have canceled all athletics and fine arts. What do you think? So I think I think it was a good decision. But there was options like we talked about last week where I know we talked about even earlier that what is it, Isleta and Fabens that had the and I think to, if I'm not mistaken, today was a deadline for all the other districts to file for that that uh, rapid COVID testing that, that they can have at the schools right. and it's for the, the students and the employees. So obviously from, as of right now, they obviously did not even submit for that. And from what it sounds like, I think Isleta and Favens, if they're going to continue to play, at least it's hard to say, cause I think maybe with the number so high, in my opinion, maybe it's not the best idea, but at least I understand, or at least I think I understand why they're doing it because they have that testing. So they have that other safety net in place to show, hey, you know, we're being proactive, we're getting our, our employees, our kids tested and and just kind of working that that way, you know, and, and making sure that safety is for everybody else. And right. if they're doing that, which I think is, that should have been done from the very get go, in my opinion, it shouldn't, you know, if, if sports is such a big issue here, especially football, I think all districts should have done that. I think you're right. And, you know, <laughs> Dr. De La Torre, they came out said that they're going to keep going with sports because they have rapid testing. He also said during the school board meeting that he would test any team playing any Sleta team. You know? That's good. That That's, you know, and that, that's, to me, in my opinion, that's just good leadership. Hey, we're going to continue to play. We, we want to test your kids to make sure that they're good so that our kids don't infect you. In case one of them is sick, they don't infect you guys and vice versa. If one of your kids are sick, they don't infect our kids. Right. So, you know, it, 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 it goes back to leadership that we've talked about many times. It's even, I guess you could say, because, well, some kids are not going to play. Some kids are going to play because they have the testing. And we've said this before, and we'll say it a lot of times. If you're testing, you know exactly what's happening. And those are rapid tests that Isleta does have. I wish everybody had them. It sounded like everybody was going to get them. I hope they get them, you know, and, and that would be great. 
Because once you know that, hey, player X, player Z, and player Y have COVID, then they can't play. Please go 14 days to quarantine. Now, like we said here before, what you do in your own time, that's your own thing. But if the school districts, and it said TA was going to provide these tests, if TA provides these tests, then we're looking at something great where everybody's getting tested. Even, even fans can get tested. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not even coming out of the, the district's pocket. It's not. You know, it's, it's not coming out of their budget. Now, you know, Fabian, Sanelli, Clint, Tornillo, they, they're not, they haven't canceled sports. The only one is Fabians does have the rapid testing as well. We have not heard much from them, but they do. They have the rapid testing. He's literally has a rapid testing. You know, they're testing everybody and everything. Now, but let me tell you something that happened this week. Kids are not returning to school. To those, um, for those kids that don't have the internet, those kids don't have the, that don't have the uh, laptops, things like that. The hotspots or the laptops, they're not going back. They're not going back. And 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 it's why? First of all, it's snowed in El Paso. That never happens. You know, it's cold. Right, in October. In October. That plays a big part to it. Um, it's still cold now. You know what I'm saying? Those are things. Yeah, and I, I go ahead. So I kind of want to add to that because I know last week when we were talking with with uh, Georgina Perez, and I kind of learned this through my own experience, is that the kids have an educational. There's a constitution for them. They have their which is a Fourteenth Amendment. Right. And even there's a state uh-huh. that they have. According to the states, they even have their own. And they have to apply that. So in case some people didn't know, so even though the school system shut down, it had to be across the board. That was the only way that they were, I guess that they were only able to get away with not providing an education for the kids. So they can't say, hey, well, you were discriminating or it was inequality or anything like that. Now, with that being said, the current situation that we're in, now, and I've read some state laws. I've even read, like, was it the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals and stuff like that. When you start reading it, you kind of, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this disclosure. I'm not a lawyer. Right. I, I was, I can interpret it all to a certain degree. Um, but my understanding, the way I read the, the article and the law was that there is no, and even here in Texas, because I was looking at it earlier this year, there's no excuse for the school district not to provide these kids with the laptop. And it's on the responsibility of the district. And that this is just, again, this is my interpretation, the way I read it and I understood it. And I, you know, in and out, forward and backwards, is that it's on the district's responsibility to ensure that these kids have the laptops and have the internet that they need because they need to make it an even uh, level playing field for those kids that don't have the laptops, that don't have the hots or internet, you know, they got to provide them with the with the laptops and the hotspots so that they can do that. Now, if they're not doing that, they're not making it a fair education 
for those kids that don't have that. So that's where the, the districts can get hit hard. Yes, they say that the TA has an exemption and stuff and that ADA and a bunch of organizations have, they understand. But something that I want to say here is that how long are they going to continue to drag their feet on this? Okay, I get it in the beginning, last towards the end of last school year. But now we're already in October, we're already going into November. And there's, so what's the excuse now why these kids don't have devices or why they don't? So I think it's going to come to a point soon where now I think the districts, in my opinion, because there were some people that did, and this was in Detroit, did sue the school district or organize the school district because they're not, they're not giving those kids an equal education compared to their peers. Whether it doesn't matter if you're in a poor area of the town or a rich area of the town. And we're in a lower income part here in, in the lower valley. So with that being said, these kids don't have that stuff. So it's going to get to a point where I think somebody may get pissed off and file a lawsuit against the school district. And I honestly think at this point, because of how far we've gone, they may have a justification now. Because at this point, there's no reason why the district shouldn't have been able to provide, provide that and give them that equality of an education because they're, they're actually not giving that child or children that equality. And that's where the word inequality comes into play. I think that's that's great, Pablo. That's great. and those that moves up to our next subject. And I'll, let me let me preface this with um, the Texas A&M, the Texas. I'm not sure exactly what it is. It's a uh, at Texas A&M essay. It it said it had a, it had a tweet yesterday. Why is the state giving the star when 2021 school year is anything but ordinary? Teachers already know which students are having issues. Remote learning notwithstanding, trust our educators. Texas Ledge at TMASATX. So I caught the eye and then somebody replied, this is a Teresa Trevino at MTV Trevino. And she goes, hashtag star will tell us which students attended in person versus remote schools, which correlates with zip codes. Once again, star is not diagnostic. Rather, it tells us which students are economically, educa are educationally disadvantaged, something the state already knows. And then somebody else has a reply. Star is not a diagnostic. This is from Christy Hassett at, at Hassett5 on Twitter. Star isn't a diagnostic. Hashtag star is not predictive. There are better ways to assess student essential knowledge and skills. Dr. Walter Strope's pattern-based items has provided as 80% more info students, teachers, and parents, school, parents and schools. Is star really about students? And star really isn't about students. Star and I is about making money and charging us public schools money for the test. And that's a great that's a great preface to what we're gonna go to now is with Amiga del Pod, uh, Georgina Perez. Uh, we got this uh, last week, Pablo? Yes. Was it last week and I sent, I sent it to you and- It was over, and over the, I think it was over the weekend actually. Over the weekend. If I can find it, that'd be super. But uh, Georgina Perez, 
sent us this. Um, and I won't read all of it, but I'll read most of it. It says to Governor Abbott and, and carbon copy to Mike Morath. And it says, Dear Governor Abbott, earlier this year we waived the administration for the test of 2019-2020 school year as a result of educational disruptions necessitated by the COVID-19 pandemic. It was clear that administering high-stakes tests, which while the majority of students are learning remotely, were logistically challenging, yet yield questionable data, and carry negative consequences for both students and schools. When I wrote to you in March, I asked you to weigh that spring administration. I pointed out to you that the broadband infrastructure is unavailable across much of the State Board of Education's District 1. Many communities along the border between Texas and Mexico do not have Wi-Fi access and lack digital devices necessary for online learning. This remains unchanged and community, many communities have become even more isolated during the pandemic as the case surge in El Paso is now under a new lockdown, which will further disrupt the learning process. The potential consequences attached to star outcomes are serious. Student promotion, retention, and graduation is based on test scores. The school accountability system includes interventions and sanctions based on star data. Furthermore, we need to know the effects of high stakes testing leading to toxic stress on children. That is very true. Our students and teachers are already burdened with the stress of adapting to remote instructional models in addition to stress to simplifying and trying to survive the pandemic. Administration of high stakes tests this year would only add to the stress while jeopardizing students' academic careers and subjecting to schools to the threat of sanctions based on, on unreliable STAR data. I applaud you for a reasonable decision to weigh the administration of the 2019-20 STAR assessments. Today, our students face the same, if not greater challenging, rendering the need for a waiver this year event, this year even more critical. I respectfully ask you to weigh the administration of STAR, TALPAS, and all end of course EOC assessments for the 2021 school year. Thank you for your thoughtful consideration and your con continued work during this pandemic. In service, Georgina C. Perez, State Board of Education. How about them apples? Right? What is I mean, she? it doesn't get any clearer than it, that. And I, it doesn't. What are you going to ask? Monday? I mean, it, it, she, point, she, she points everything out, and it's true. And I mean, I don't know, again, I'm going to rely on you here, but I'm just a parent kind of trying to put myself in, in your shoes, in my kids' shoes. I honestly think, I mean, I don't like the star, and I've, I've said it flat out before. I think it's, and I've seen it, it's not accurate. It, it doesn't prove much other than, and you said it right now, they, they bill the school districts so that they can get money. Well, guess where the money comes from? Who, where do the school districts get the money? Taxpayers, right? right. So it's the taxpayers that are paying for this. So at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute, the taxpayers have the right to determine whether they want the star test or not, period, because it's their money, you know? And yes, they, they've, been, they've entrusted the school district to do what At this point, honestly, 
think we've had to and for every one year that a child has a gap it takes roughly between three years to catch two to three years to catch them up correct right so if we're already going to be at a year at this gap at minimum i think in my opinion we should at least cancel the star for the next three four years as of right now because you want to give the teachers the opportunity to teach to truly teach close those gaps and not focus so much on the star testing because then this and as she says it right there it's it's going to affect the data the so-called data which i think is not accurate to begin with because you hear so many kids stressing now vomiting all this so if they're already at that point they're and don't get me wrong kids kids are resilient but when it comes to something like this, you can just see that the anxiety, the stress, you know, they even get sick from worrying about this. And it, it is, it's, I think it's pointless. And I think we just need to kind of give the teachers and the students a break for the next four years so that you teachers can educate, truly educate these kids and focus on closing the gaps because there's going to be gaps. Maybe not all students, but there's still some students, maybe half, whatever the percentage is going to be that need that gap to be closed. So this is a perfect opportunity for the next few years to allow them to, you teachers, to just teach and close that gap. I, right. mean, what, I mean, what's your right. take on that? You know, that's what I think. And that's great. You know what? It's one of those things that we're, we're burning, you know, we're, we're talking to our kids. We have this thing going now, you know, it's where, you know, and like we said this before many times here is that, our superintendents make decisions based on TEA and based on what the outcome is, okay? The outcome is it, what kind of school district are you? Are you an A school district, a B school district, or even a C school district, okay? It makes yep. you wonder, you know, those things that, that, and I'm telling you right now, this falls into the hands of the charter schools. It really does. Because the charter schools right now don't have to follow any rules, don't have to. They don't have a school district that has to follow the rules. It's it's very blunt. It's very honest. You know, people are charter schools are still working like whatever. They don't care about your kids. They care about the funding that comes with your kids. That's what they care about. Yeah. So like I can tell you like again because I did ask when I when my kids were at the charter school I asked about Star, and it was kind of funny because they couldn't really answer but their basic answer was we just focus on teaching these kids and not the Star. Well, that you know? so um, that was a that was a response, but I kind of in my mind I'm thinking about it and I got to see because I saw how they were advocating for the charter schools and stuff like that and I started seeing a little bit more. And I'm like, well, yeah, I kind of see that kind of can entice parents to go to a charter school because, oh, my kid, oh, they're not really pushing the star. That's what they're saying, right? right. Well, to right. a certain degree, it's true, which I'll be honest, which I think is kind of a good thing because I'm not for star. However, this is the however part. The reason why they, in my, and this is my opinion from what I saw, and this is my observation, and I actually, you know, was getting involved in stuff like that. So I got to see a lot. Or significantly, the reason, in my opinion, from what I saw, that they don't really care too much about the start testing is because they get the money from these philanthropists, from these donors and stuff like that. So no matter what, at the end of the day, just like the public school is going to hurt because if they don't do the start testing, 
they're going to get hurt because financially these charter schools, they're not going to get, they don't care. Okay. Hey, you know what? We're hurting for some money. Let's ask this uh, philanthropist for, for some cash and they're okay. So that's where it's not, that it, that's not cool. The level, the playing field is not even across the board. You yeah. know, and it, 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 it's yeah. to inequality. Texas has two systems, the public and the charter school. One is going to have to give, and I hope in this election, we get public education advocates in the Texas House and the Texas Senate. Because if not, me and Pablo are going to go talk to you. This is what we need. This is why we need Georgina Perez in, in, in office. You know, we, this is where we talk about people who are from here. And sometimes they, they say things and they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, Foster gives me money, so it's okay. Well, Foster, Foster gives money to everybody. You got to understand that. You know, he has enough money to give to everybody, but he gives the most to charter schools. If we were to get a pro-education governor, and I'll tell you this much, not Beto, because his wife his wife runs the worst uh, charter in Texas. And that's not just me saying, that's a fact. Now, we were to have somebody who's public education. Those charter schools can be shut down and more money goes into the public. So, and everybody's like, well, I mean, everybody's got their own fans. But the public schools have educated more, have been here for hundreds of years. I think uh, Socorro's been here for 66 years. Uh, Isleta's been here for 100. And El Paso has been over here for 100 years as well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay? Like 150. So when you have schools, the neighborhood schools that are there, that the teachers are there. See, at charter schools, it's, it's due process is out the door. If your child misbehaves or if your child smells different or if your child did something to somebody's kid who, who is whatever they are, then your kid's out of luck. The problem is that when you take that kid out, when you take him out, that money stays there. You can go and roll him. If you try to roll him, let's say at Harmony, and they say, no, we're not going to take him. Well, harmony, nothing happens to them. If you go out to idea, not, nothing happens to them. But if you go to, let's say, Socorro Middle, because that's your area school. If Socorro Middle were to say, we're not going to take it, then you have a federal lawsuit because everybody's entitled to a free and appropriate public education. But charter schools don't run that way. Charter schools are businesses. People invest in charter schools to make money. They are making money off our kids. That's what people don't understand. I was there with Socorro with Mr. Fernie Miranda from, uh, from Hilly. And I was there with, so with all everybody there at the time. Walking, walking around our neighborhood, telling people, do not go to charter schools. And that's something very interesting that Socorro ISD did. And that's a, 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 a tip of my hat to them because they fought those charter schools. And every time people get come back, you see it. 
I have kids from charters. My wife as an educator has kids from charters. We all get the kids from charter schools because they don't get the fair shake. Because they run the school the way they want to and they don't worry about STAR because they're, they're, no, they're not a school district. They're an individual entity. It's a business. Yeah, and it is. And I saw, I saw several things and kind of to that, if I'm not mistaken, I know there was a, a Twitter years back that, that uh, Espinosa had said, and they were telling them, oh, the charter schools are going to come. Okay, let them come, bring it. And it kind of, and when he, he made that comment, all of a sudden he was hurting and they were fighting for, for these kids to stay in their district when he should have just fought from the very get go and make that comment, hey, we'll bring it. And I understand maybe I, there was like the competitiveness in, in that comment, maybe, I don't know. But yeah. I'll share some examples. When I was there and, you, and there was kids that were bullied. Yeah. And this yeah. is through talking with other parents. They were bullied, they were volunteers. It got to a point that they pushed the volunteer. I know I've mentioned some of this. They kind of didn't want the volunteers there anymore because they were seeing things and they didn't want the parents to see what was going on because parents started asking questions. Hey, how come my kid is still being bullied and the teacher isn't saying anything? How come the teacher's not doing this? How come is this? you as a principal? Huh? Idea. What is this? Idea, okay. Idea. And why aren't you doing anything? So parents started asking and questioning. And it's like, well, next thing you know, you start seeing kids leave. They start leaving. And that was kind of our thing too that we saw is that, wait a minute okay, why, why are they pushing the volunteers? What are they hiding? Like, there's, I saw two different, when I was there, I saw one that they were, it seemed to me through all the actions that they were doing was, hey, we got to cover this up. Hey, we got to cover that up. And when they try to get me to help to be on the advocacy group for, for charter schools and stuff like that, and I was, I was on there and that's why I got to see a lot. And I, and I, I kind of have an insight to how they function to a certain degree. And that's why I was like, e now I, once I saw everything, I was like, yeah, they're not coming back here again. And that's why I just said, you know what? I'm taking them back to the public schools. Like this, this isn't what it was painted to be. So just, just be careful on that. And that's just my recommendation. Don't go, but at the end of the day, you have your decision. You make your decision based for your, what you feel is best for your family. I don't agree with it, however, but I respect your decision. And there is another parent that I know. His kid dramatically left idea. And they had a hard time getting him over here in the, in the public education because he was just scared. He didn't want to go to class because of how much he got bullied. And the teacher over there did not protect them yeah. because they hide things over there. Yeah. And that's not, that's not good. That's horrible. Like, you know, and, and, and those are things like, you know, and, let, and let's bring it up. You know, Mr. Cabrera is Juan Cabrera, superintendent from uh, El Paso. He's getting sued along yes. with Dory Fendenbrook, which I had a conversation when Fendenbrook was running. And I shouldn't even got into it, but I think she visited Socorro. And she's like, I'm for nonprofit charter schools. Well, there's no such thing as nonprofit charter schools. All of them profit, okay? There's no such thing as nobody's going to make money. I promise you, 
people that have the money don't invest money in charter schools because they feel like it. Bill Gates doesn't invest in charter schools because he feels like it. There is a return. And that's the one thing you guys got to understand is that charter schools make money. Public schools do not make money. Okay? All the funding comes from your property taxes. And guess what? The proper property taxes are frozen because the teachers got raises. Thank God we got raises, which is great. But that was a ploy. Yes. That was a ploy from uh, Lieutenant Governor Abbott. No, Lieutenant Governor Patrick. Because that that's an unfunded mandate. I'm glad for my raise. Don't get me wrong. I put food on my, on my table. I, I take care of my family. And I'm happy about it. But it's an unfunded mandate. Property taxes are frozen, but they you're they're asking the school districts for more. Now, everything TA does, because Mike Morath was specially picked by Governor Abbott, is for everybody to turn to charter schools. That's what it is. And that's something that we should be going away from. Let me read you the Texas Constitution, Article 7 on Education, Section 1. Support and maintenance of system of the public's free schools, a general diffusion of knowledge being essential to the prevention and the liberties, the prevention of the liberties and the right of the people. It shall be the duty of the legislature of the state, and we're talking about the state of Texas, to establish and to make suitable provision for the support and maintenance and efficient system of, system of public free schools. Yes. Number two, permanent school fund. All fund lands on property and herefore set apart as appropriated for support of public schools. All the alternate sections of land reserved by the state of grants herefore made or that hereafter be made to railroads or other corporations of any nature whatsoever on half of the public domain of the state. All sums of money that may come to the state for the sale of any portion of the same shall constitute a permanent school fund. That's how schools should be funded. Yes. But they're you read not. what I was reading. Huh? You read what I had read. But it doesn't happen that way. It yeah, should come from was... land. But the thing is, they're, they're, remember this. Remember this. Oh, we're not California. Come to Texas. We're not California. This is what happens because we don't tax our businesses, our lands. We only tax the household. We only tax the consumer. We don't tax the businesses because of trickle-down economics. Okay? Trickle-down economics just means that the richer get richer and the poor get poor. And whatever scraps you get, that's what you get. This is what that means. Our schools should be fully funded by our state. If, if I'm, I'm going to add to something. Monday, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish, and then I'm going to add. I'm just saying, okay? There's a rainy day fund with $14 billion sitting there, and it's not a rainy day when there's COVID killing 13,000 Texans. Or even teachers like we have the example of. Or assistant principals. No. 
have there, I mean, we haven't heard of any teachers yet, except for the, the young man in, in Gadsden. Yes. What's happening? So I'm going to read you something. Monday. And this is kind of, this is on the on the same. Uh, I was looking up case laws, and this was in 2011, and it states state funding cuts 5.4 billion led to Texas Taxpayer and Student Fairness Coalition versus Scott, which claimed that the funding system had become inequitable, inadequate, unconstitutional. Other plaintiff coalitions filed cases which were consolidated with the with the Texas Taxpayer Student Fairness Coalition. The trial court found the Texas education finance system unconstitutional. This, okay, so they found it unconstitutional in the in the first hearing. Okay. Right. Then the state appealed it. Right. And the state Supreme Court in 2016 gave extreme deference to the legislator and found no constitutional violation. You know what I mean? So when you when you see that they it got cut 5.4 billion. At one point they declared yes, it was unconstitutional. Then they go to appeal and all of a sudden now it's no, it was constitutional all along. And it's sad you're cutting 5.4 billion from our education system. Yeah, really? that was yeah in 2011. That was the end. And I remember talking with uh, Mary Gonzalez about this, and and she told me that that was the that her professor at the time told her that was the end of public schools. That was the end of public yeah, schools. That's what I got from it. So that's we, what exactly so, I got from it. And and if you work in a public school, a public school, God bless you. And if your kids go there too, stay on them. Your teachers are doing the best they can. But this, this is why elections are so important. Where do you think they took that to, Paolo? Which Supreme Court did they take that to? They didn't take it to the state. They didn't take it to the United States. Where do you think they took it to? They kept it in state. Texas Supreme Court. So Texas has been a red state for a very long time. Okay, uh, Governor Abbott just came down, and during the COVID, during uh, we're exploding, we're like, oh, he's gonna give us something. He's gonna help us. That's a special. No, he and this is what the federal government is doing. McConnell's doing this. He's stacking the the court. He's stacking the court. This is what stacking the court does. So when you get put in the Supreme Court in Texas, you're you're, you're getting put on there because you're going to vote a certain way, not because you're a good person or a good judge or know the law well. The, you're getting put there because you're going to vote a certain way. In 2011, I think Perry was 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 a governor. He, he did it. Look at what Perry did as a, as a what was he, the environmental guy for, uh, for Trump. Trump. But this is what happens when you do not vote. If we can turn the House, if we can take control of the House and the Senate in Texas, which is in play now, we can save our public school system. We can save it from what, what Georgina Perez said about we're getting infested with charter schools. Infested. Not because we need them, because there's people here in El Paso that want to squeeze the juice. Hey, but I'm going to ask you that. 
and look at where they're strategically placing those places in certain areas. And I'm in Horizon, they put one in Horizon and they're still building it. And they put it in an area where it's not, it's not the higher income per se, you know? So guess where they're targeting? The lower income. And this is why I've kind of been on the district. Hey, you need to make your schools more presentable. You need to attract your kids back because we're, we're losing them because there's certain things that they're not doing. And they did idea here, same thing in the lower value, lower income. And I did talk to parents and a lot of parents were like, hey, well, because it's, it's, a, it's a nicer school. Oh, that's fine. I get the whole point. They have it's a nicer school and I get it. But at the end of the day, are they giving your kids the education that they need and that is rightfully theirs? No, no, no. They are not. These are shams. They are shams. Depending on who you are, depending on what, what title you have, depending on what public office you hold, they will treat your kids. Straight and simple. And if you heard it once, you'll hear it again. Yellow Gaines kids go to Harmony. And she's on the board for Harmony. I guess public school is not good enough for her. She's, she's public school. She went to public schools, but not for her kids. Okay, Pablo took them there. Had a bad experience, came back. You know what? Something else that I'm going to add that I didn't like that kind of, that ticked me off with with idea too was that because I asked and I was like, hey, well, how come we don't have a school board representative from from El Paso? Oh, and they kind of gave me this long speech and I was like, ah, that's I was like bull crap right there. I was like, that's BS. I was like, no, I was like, you need somebody here. And that kind of, that ticked me off. I was like, no. And that, that was a little bit more of the piece that they added to the puzzle to tell me. This is this is horse crap. Yeah, this is horse yeah. crap. There's more. There's more stuff going on. I'm trying to keep my my language in check, but there's just there's crap that's going on that I don't like. And I'm like, yeah, I started seeing. The more you ask, the more you see, and that's exactly what I got. I started asking more. My wife kept asking. We started seeing more, and I was like, whoa, wait, 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 what's going on here? This is not. This is not what was presented. This is not what we saw. It's not what we thought. Uh, no good. No bueno. We need to pull out of here. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. And, and no, I don't know if this is true, but I heard they make you sign your civil rights rights away. Have you heard about that? No, I never yeah. heard. I don't know. They they have a, I don't know. I need to look more into it before I say anything else. But they don't provide special ed services. They, 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 okay. they, I'm going to say this. They say they provide special ed services. So I'm going to, I'm going to go on here. They, they, do they provide special ed services? Yes, it, it, they have to. But ask me this question. What's the quality of special ed services that they provide? Do they provide all the services? I can sit here and tell you because I asked and I thought. And they don't. They don't. I even, I am not that guru of special education. I have an idea. I think I can kind of hold my own. But when I would question them on certain things, they were like, uh, 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 like, oh, oh we got to do this. Oh, we got to do that. 
And it was like, so they were getting caught with their pants down. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is crap. This is yeah, crap. Yeah. They're, they're doing everybody an injustice. So yeah, they're not going to, if you have a SPED student, they're not, they don't have the capability and they're not going to provide the services that your child or children need. So our schools are a business and a business makes money. Now, this is why you do not, you do not hire people with degrees. You don't do background checks. You do not serve special ed students and you don't worry about star because all that takes money. Okay. So there are systems and study guides that people sell and they make a lot of money off it. Well, they don't do that at charter schools. Okay. They don't do that at charter schools. They don't, uh, they don't do anything. They do what you want and that's fine. And, and my thing is, you know, I want all those charter schools shut down, but if I can't shut them down, then you know what? Make them follow all the rules we do. And I promise you, those investors will fly. And, and I know we've had that conversation that I'm like, they're not, they're just, they're not, I think the only way to actually properly shut them down is you, we can't just say, hey, shut them down. I don't think that's going to happen. So we got to make them play by the rules. And I, by making them play by the rules. They shut down. Exactly. They start shutting down because then they start like, oh, they have to accept these kids. They have to meet these bed requirements and they have to do this and they have to do that. And then all of a sudden, if they say, nah, we don't want to play by that rule, then it's like, oh, you know what? We're just going to close down. We're going to file bankruptcy and then everything's fine and dandy. And, and that's, they can. And let me tell you, you know how they, they tell you that they're going to, they graduate hundred percent. You know how they do that? They make it a requirement for you to graduate. And if you don't get accepted to one of their colleges, then guess what? You don't graduate. Okay, so I did ask that. Well, maybe in certain, and I can see, and I've heard with certain um, charter schools. And I'm, I'm only speaking through my experience. And I asked, I go, so how do you guys guarantee a hundred percent right? College acceptance. So I started and one of their own, I never met this teacher, but this teacher was just kind of listening to me and asking that question. And the teacher pulled me aside and she's like, I didn't even mean to get the gender, but right. you, you know, asked me, that's a good question or told me that's a good question. And before this teacher had pulled me aside, they had told me, you know, we just, we want them to get accepted and, you know, we have them apply here. We, we, we asked, oh, what do they want to do? They painted this pretty picture. And this teacher pulled me aside and she's like, I saw your ex expression that you didn't believe them. I said, no, I go, because in my opinion, this is what they're doing. And I go, maybe you, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong. And I said, to me, it's just, we're going to throw a bunch of darts and see what sticks. And she's like, you're right. She's like, that's how they, that, that's what they get away with. Even if it's a community college, she's like, they got an acceptance rate, right? Maybe it's not to a four-year university or whatever, but they got it. They got an acceptance letter to a college. That's how they, that's how they claim that 100%, which I mean, I'm glad that the student, the kids are going into college. You know, I really am, but they're just throwing a bunch of darts to see what sticks and say that they have a hundred percent acceptance rates. That's, 
that was my experience with idea at least. So I'm like, nah, well, yeah, I mean, if you throw a bunch, if you throw a hundred darts, there's gotta be, yeah, something's gotta hit. You know so, what I mean? You're right. And, and you know, guys, this is a, uh, we, we, this wasn't even scripted today. I wasn't gonna go here, but we went there. And, and when you talk about charter schools, I get real fired up, you know, and those are things that, that happened. Pablo's been in it. And that's how sometimes that's how we kind of met on things like that. And, you know, and that's the thing about our, our, our world right now. We need to find out people who think different than us. Pablo and I think different, but there's something the common, the common denominator is public education because he's seen the worst of it. And as a teacher, you, you see what, you know, the trickle down economics as well, where if the superintendent wants this, if TA wants this, then the superintendent is going to ask for this. And if the superintendent wants that, then his cabinet is going to want this. And if they want this, and then the teachers, and then the admin is going to get it. And if the admin wants this, it's going to get out to the teachers. You can't, you can't imagine how important it is to vote, teachers. Vote. Vote for yourself. Vote for equality. Vote for raises. You you vote the right people in. I promise you, we move from 46th in the country in education to top 10. But you got to vote the right people in. Yep. You got to vote. The, and right now, I promise you, Beto's going to run for governor. I'm, I'm seeing it already. But he does not have public education. He said it straight up. And if you ask him, he'll say there's somewhere for charters for this. And it is. And let me tell you, everybody wants a piece because that's how they make money. And I'm sorry to bust a lot of people's bubbles, but that's the way it is. Even the Castros in San Antonio, when they were mayor, when he was the mayor, yeah, he, he brought charters. There's a lot. And look at Cabrera now. Cabrera was the first and Fennerbrook was the first to bring the system. You know, and, and and it is what it is. I have a picture with Cesar Blanco as well with saying that char if you can send somebody to college or get accepted, it is what it is. He might have changed his tune right now, but, you know, the picture's there from the past of times with Juan Cabrera, who's gained sued from a California investor for $5 million because they took the money for charter schools and ran. And this all stem it from STAR. Understand this. STAR is not, does not define your teacher and does not define your child. STAR makes money. And it makes money for a lot of people who are not you and me. But we get the stress and we get the, the heartaches and we get the A ratings, the B ratings, and the C ratings. And we get called into meetings because our scores are not the same as that. That's what STAR is. STAR is not for you and me. STAR is for the rich and powerful in Texas. And you really need to understand this. Because if you don't vote, this is going to keep going and going and going. But if you vote and you get out there and you say, hey, I want just public schools. 
I'm tired of these charter schools. I We're all certified teachers. If you work in a public school system, you are a certified teacher. But charter schools don't do the same. That's just amazing to me. I kind of think that I'm watching a different version of uh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I got off topic. Sorry, bro. But that's where we're going to end it today, guys. And and, and I hope you you uh, you get out and vote. And remember, if you did or if you did uh, um, try to get a mail-in vote, if you have it in your hand, you need to go drop it off. The mail service does, can't promise you it's going to get here in time. Go drop it off. Um, go wait in line and vote in person. This is the most important election. I promise you. And we'll get more into charter schools later. We'll have a whole show on it. We covered a lot today. We covered, what do we cover today? COVID. COVID. Charter school star. Um, high school sports. star. Star got us into this. And charter schools. And I want to add something. Go for it. Sorry, Alex. I want to add something to this. I, I want the parents that are listening and even teachers. Because this is how it kind of worked out for, for us. Teachers, we started speaking up. And teachers were watching. And there were some teachers that were like, Mm-hmm. And as we spoke up more, teachers started confiding in us. Hey, Mr. Mrs. Barrera, hey, well, you know what? And we started getting phone calls from random teachers. And they're like, hey, well, can you help us advocate for this? Because we need this for our kids. We need this. And there, it wasn't even, and this is the most, I guess, beautiful thing to say, is that these teachers were, were wanting to advocate for their kids, but they were afraid to speak up because of retaliation. So it wasn't a problem for us to go and advocate because it's like, I never threw the teachers under the bus, nor was I ever going to mention them because to me, it's like, I, you got to protect the teachers, man. The teachers are trying to protect the kids. Right. So, you know, they're protecting the kids. Well, for me, I'm like, I'm going to protect the teachers. That's just, I, that's just how simple I saw it. So we'd advocate and there was that relationship. So I want parents to get a little bit more involved with your teachers. Ask them, build that report, build that relationship. The teachers will eventually, once you establish that, they will tell you what they truly need for themselves and for the kids, you know? And that's when when the parents, and I want the teachers to, to start building those relationships with the parents too, you know? And when that happens, I truly believe that that's when we can make that coalition and build that driving force to make this education system better for the public school system. And I don't know. I, I, I think that, that we can hit a dent like that because the moment the public, the, the parents start questioning and start pushing and start telling the school board and the superintendent and the state, we want this, we want that. And all of a sudden, they'd say it's El Paso. Hey, why is El Paso rising up so much? Why are they saying that they don't want the star? Why are they saying that they don't want this, that they need one more, more funding for public schools there? Wait a minute. What, you know, they start now they, they have to listen because you got what? almost over 800,000 people, not parents, but I mean, there's a significant amount of parents here that have kids. So with the population of 800, over 800,000, it's like, you got to start, the state should listen, at least I'm, they should, you know, and, and that's something to think about. It really is. And I'm going to add something else to the charter schools. This is happening in South Texas. I know that there was a charter school and public schools working together down there. Right. In case you didn't know. Yeah. But I thought I'd throw that out there. Where, where, um, I don't know. 
that's 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 a whole different conversation where the school district uh manages the charter school then they let them teach a certain way which that's the way it should have been at first but you know those are big topics and if you're an educator and if you think your job is safe it's not with charter schools coming it's not safe straight up they're coming for your jobs because they're cheaper and private business likes cheaper just like the stuff we buy from china they're going to buy teachers who might who teach for america they get a degree and then two years you're out two years you're out and they pay them thirty something thousand dollars a year that's not enough to live on if you don't join a union join a union one of them i know i'm part of the nea yta that's my union you guys join whatever union you have around but join one and if you want me to tell you which one uh reach out well i'll tell you which one and those are the ones that fight if you think you need a union, now you need a union. But we need to vote more than anything else. And I think unions are great, bro. They, they, they do wonders. If you, have a, if you have a good union, you have a good strong union, they will do yeah. wonders. Because that's, I, and I, and it got to a point where I needed a union. And when I was working, man, did they save my butt. <laughs> Comes out to leadership. So thank yep. you, Pablo. Uh, we have a great show on Friday. René Rodriguez and Jesus Reese will be on the show to tell us a little more about their background and their start in the political life. It's very interesting. And their struggles to return the city of Socorro to the people. You know, they were the ones that got in and are re- running right now. And they they went up against the Gandaras. And that's, that's something big. So it won't be more, it won't be an interview, but a, a storytelling about how what they did to, to get everything back. Uh, so remember again, don't mail in your ballot. Go drop it off. If you need help, let us know. We can help you with that as much as possible. Um, it is what it is. And, and you know, uh, COVID is real, guys. It's hit El Paso like it hit New York. Our our hospital system, is, is it, it's bad right now. We got extra beds and everything. Stay home, high school sports. It is what it is. You know, I don't know what to tell you anymore. I really don't. Some people cancel it. Some people are testing. How can you fight that? I can't fight either. If you're testing, you know. But if you don't have it, you don't. nothing's going to happen. So it's an even keel. So uh, I want to thank Ms. Regina Perez for her letter to, to Governor Abbott and, and Carbon, Carby to Mark Morath. She's up for re-election. You guys need to vote. And vote for her because she's the one looking out for us. She's a former teacher. I don't know who that other lady is. And I know her last name is Ivy. It doesn't matter. Uh, Georgina Perez has been doing this for as long as I can remember. So she's the one that was trying to bring Socorro a uh, library. But guess what? There's no money. Okay. So we need to do something about that too to bring the kids a library. The books are still in storage and she brought us all that. So thank you, Pablo, for coming over. Uh, we went a little bit off topic or not off topic, but it was a great talk. Uh, reach out to us at Garcia Para Socorro on Twitter or Pablo Juan Barrera at Twitter or Valle Bajo at Valle Bajo on Twitter. Anything you need, let us know. We can talk about next week, uh, not next week, on Friday, a couple days from now, we will have a candidate for mayor, Jesus Reese, 
and candidate for a large, Janet Rodriguez, talking about uh, the stories. And and uh, I was told to have a mute button ready for Mr. Janet Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, but they're good peeps. So we'll see you then. Thank you, Pablo. Hey, thank you. And I'll see you later. Safe. All right. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Bye-bye.